this one. Unusual boxing wrestling match. Jerry Lawler facing two opponents, both permitted to be in the ring at the same time. Jimmy Hart, who will be wrestling, and television and movie star Andy Kaufman as Hart's partner. Lawler, I am going to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. I have been trained by the great Muhammad Ali. You don't know what you're up against. You're so cocky now. You think you're big stuff, big stuff. You haven't seen anything until you've met the Iron Fits of Andy Kaufman. You think I'm just a little man. Wait till you see I have been training, man. I have been training! You will learn to respect the Hollywood star. I'm gonna knock you out to the count of ten and you're gonna meet the ultimate humiliation. And there's no pile driver, that's against the rules. So you were saying you watched uh, Andy Kaufman's I'm from Hollywood again? I did, yeah, I, I re-watched that. Uh, I was watching the uh, uh, the WWE Treasure Hunters mm-hmm. uh, episode, and one of the episodes was they had Jerry Lawler on there, and it basically, they were trying to, the treasure they were trying to find was the neck brace. Yeah for Andy Kaufman for his his gimmick that he did with uh, Jerry Lawler. And, and did just, Lawler had it? Uh, no, there was a collector that had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was actually, it was Bill Apter, who was a, a Long Island guy, shout out. But he was, you know, he was in charge of all the the big three. Before the internet, you had the wrestling mag, mags, and you had Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler, and the granddaddy of them all, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that was his magazine. Uh, but he was friends with Andy Coffin, and he's the one that was trying to help Andy, who was also a Long Island guy, get some kind of contact into the wrestling business to run this angle. So, yeah, it just got me seeing that neck brace and just remembering how phenomenal that angle was because this was even before rock and wrestling. This was before celebrities yeah. really embraced it. And he was like the celebrity not only embraced it, but like he, he ran with it and it was like an instant expert on kayfay, mm-hmm. right? Cause that was basically his comedy gimmick was kayfay. Right. So it was just like, and, and he, and he just brought that into wrestling. So it just got me wanting to, Go back and revisit that awesome documentary that's on YouTube. And I think it's hard to buy the DVD for the I'm from Hollywood. I remember having the DVD. You had the DVD? I think I had it. I don't know. But, you know, there was a time when we decided all decided collectively that DVDs didn't matter. A lot of the, like, uh, you know, it's like one of those things when media changes formats and you're like, I don't need all these cassettes. Yeah. And then 20 years later, cassettes, you know, old cassettes are going for 100 bucks on eBay. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying to think because I... I know I've dropped off some at half price books and sold a bunch of singles mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> at the time. But yeah, because I, I was looking at this like, there's got to be a way to buy this. I'm from Hollywood, so I don't have to keep watching the uh, the YouTube version. Although, shout out to the person who put it on there because I'm, you know, we're giving you numbers. Shout out to YouTube. Yeah, that, that for even existing to mm-hmm. make that. But uh, you were uh, also a huge fan of this documentary too, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know how I got interested in Andy Kaufman. I don't remember. It was before, you know, the uh, biography with Jim Carrey came out, which I told you I'm not a fan of. Yeah, you were saying you're not a man in the moon guy. Not a man in the moon guy. <laughs> I I just, I just, I felt like it was pretty surface level and it was like Andy Kaufman's greatest hits. And I wasn't a fan of Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman in that movie. 
Yeah, that, and that was. I feel like that was that was our, that was your hot take, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean there was people just like talking about. I mean, he did a séance, and he felt like he was possessed yeah. by the spirit of Andy Kaufman, and they were talking about, you know, him getting an Academy Award. Yeah, and you're and you were just and you weren't and you you and the Academy just weren't feeling it because he he wasn't even nominated, right? No, I mean the film was pretty mediocre. I think overall, um, I I don't think I don't think Andy would have approved of Jim Carrey as him. It's very possible that he wouldn't, right? <laughs> I, I really don't think he would have approved of Jim Carrey as him. Uh, he never. Jim Carrey was always a straight up comedian, and Andy always said he wasn't a comedian at all. And I just, I, I know, I think it would have been better off. I heard there was rumors that the, you know, uh, Nick Cage was up for it, Hank Azaria was up for it, a few other guys. I think pretty much anybody else would have been better. I think Jim Carrey sort of drowned out the entire Andy Kaufman character, and you were watching Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Not. I mean, he definitely, uh, I mean, if you hear the stories uh, from Jerry Lawler, and who knows, maybe Jerry Lawler just knows kayfabe and work it, but he was basically, you know, there was a lot of stories coming from that set of basically Jim Carrey, like, treating Jerry Lawler like shit, you yeah. know, and, like, spitting on him. And I know he did the, you know, where he was really trying to hit him. And then Well, it was he- in that documentary that's on Netflix. There's a weird documentary where, where Jim Carrey... It's all about he's the spirit of Andy Kaufman, and you see him on set acting up. Oh yes, and that wasn't him, and so and I could never tell, you know, just because I was, you know, Jerry Lawler's old school cafe, and it's just like, is he working the audience? Was this work? Because remember, they ended up doing a, a press conference, and there he was like a real fight, but he said that Jim Carrey like spit on him, and he kept yeah. having to remind him, it was like, you know, me and Andy were in on this together, right? Yeah, like there's just like, you know, it was like I think it was a case of working the workers right it's just mm-hmm. like you don't you know you don't make gimmick money off the boys i don't think jim carrey understands wrestling no no i, I think that was the problem yeah and it was i don't know I, again it's just like i i enjoyed the movie in the sense that i was just really happy to get something with andy kaufman out there just because like you said he wasn't he didn't consider himself a comedian, you know. He was a performance artist. Yeah, <laughs> just like any. They had such great. I mean, he was kayfaying his parents at the time. I mean, this guy was walking around kayfaying, you know, people on the streets that he was never going to see again. Right? It's just like I'll go get a part time job just so people would say, "Hey, you Andy Kaufman?" He's like, "No, I get that all the time." Yeah, and then he would quit the job the next. He mean, used to he used to hang out in front of the comedy clubs and beg for money. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And just do that to people, to people, you know, a few hours before the show, he'd be out there with a, you know, whatever, with a bucket or, or just asking for handouts, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this he understood kayfabe probably better than a lot of the wrestlers and understood kayfabe. So yeah. for, it was a, it was a marriage made in heaven. So just like we were listening to that uh, podcast with Jerry Lawler a little while ago, where he was saying uh, after the, uh, after, <laughs> after he pile drived Andy Kaufman, that he demanded an ambulance and said, no, I'll pay for it myself. <laughs> so he got an ambulance and he stayed in the hospital for three days. In traction. Yeah. <laughs> you think the people in the hospital are just be like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. you. But he just like, but he like, sold it. Yeah. He was selling it. So and he never broke. Cave. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was so good at it to, to this day. I mean. The, the rumors of like Tupac and Elvis being alive, that was just like, that's a stretch. But like for Andy Kaufman, there's still like a piece of me that's like, he could be alive. Mm-hmm. And he could be like, this was so funny that it's just like most of the people who thought I was dead are dead now and I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. 
and just come out to your kids is like, hey, FYI, I came out to your kids that I, I never really died. Yeah. That's taking kayfabe to the grave. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just like, yeah, it was a great angle. And poor Vince McMahon Sr., who just didn't have, like, if it was Vince McMahon Jr., that Bill Apter approached at the time, Vince Jr. may have said, yes, let's get Andy Kaufman on there. But Vince Sr. is like, no, we're not going to do that. And Jerry Lawler, you know, got to run with it. And, you know, he was already over as the king of Memphis. But, I mean, that really brought national notoriety to his territory when territories didn't get national notoriety. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Lawler was on the David Letterman show because of this, Mm -hmm. which is unheard of for, like, a territorial wrestler, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like he was, you know, now it's, you know, kind of normal. But, like, back then, to get Jerry Lawler on there and his members-only jacket and his, you know, his his goatee that he was famous for. Mm -hmm. And then they were working David Letterman, you know, who's the... You know, known for not really having that big of a like, let's not f- veer off the script. Mm-hmm. I don't know, is it or did I just make that up? That it's just like I feel like they were, they were went into business for himself on the David Letterman show. Yeah, well, I mean, Letterman likes to control the interviews, right? That's how you end up with a talk show. You know how to work the guests and keep them, keep them delivering the the setups for you to punchline them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you you know how to ask the right questions. But uh, he seemed really uncomfortable in that segment. <laughs> he did because and it, and like you said, even because when he controls the interview and he has these setups. Sometimes it's not for the, it's not going to make the guests look better. It's going to no. make Dave look better. So like for him, you know, for them to go off script like that. And it sounded like Lawler was just talking about, yeah, that was Andy. Basically what in wrestling you'd call, let's call it in the ring. Yeah. They didn't plan this out beforehand. And he was just like, somehow he told him to slap him with his eyes. You know, they called it in the ring. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why the letterman was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> And that was, you know, people at that point didn't really understand wrestling. No. There was no, I mean, kayfabe was still a thing. So when he started, you in that I'm from Hollywood, it starts out with that montage of uh, other comedians from the 80s. And they're like, Andy Kaufman was losing it. And he was, you know, like he was actually like he was mentally ill or something because he wanted to wrestle when, (laughs) you know, it was... (laughs) It was all just work, you know. Yeah, and he was working. And he that, was working everybody. They didn't understand that the whole the whole premise of this uh, of this uh, thing that he's doing is to make you angry. Yeah, and it and it worked. I mean, it's just like he had literally people trying to do an an intervention with him of just like trying to stop him. It's like you can't, you know. And even then, right? Like you said, wrestling was kind of seen still in that sideshow sense. Yeah, right. That it was just like, no, you can't. Go do that. Yeah, people didn't get it so much that they voted him off Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Did you see? I don't remember watching. Like, that felt, that was one of the Man in the Moon movies parts that I was just kind of like felt a little off. Because I feel like, you know, I was a little kid at the time and you still can see the footage. But that felt off to me, that part. Didn't it seem like it was just kind of, it just felt like it was like shoehorned in and I felt like it was a bigger deal than it actually was. Yeah. I mean, I think they just shoehorned it in to show that uh, his popularity was waning because of the whole wrestling stuff that he was doing. Yeah. But it was a big deal because I think, I think he thought that they were going to keep vote to keep him on, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't really getting over the way that he intended it to, you know? No. And then it's like you said, you piss people off until they like you. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't working that way because people didn't get that this was wrestling. Yeah, and I think he and he pissed people on off, uh, off, but he didn't do enough 
you know, stuff at that time. Maybe he was going too far with it. And it's just like, and instead of like, okay, I'm going too far. Let me start bringing him back. He would double down. Yeah. Maybe just to annoy him. But I was just like, he didn't always do that. Like, I remember he was known for, you know, he had that big show. Was that at Carnegie Hall where mm-hmm. afterwards he sent everyone for milk and cookies? Right. Afterwards, it's just like, okay, this guy's cool. He got his milk and cookies. Yeah, yeah, People like free stuff. Mm-hmm. But maybe he just went too far there. But uh, he did that whole show at Carnegie Hall where he uh, brought out his... His, his grandma or something and she dies on stage oh, yeah. and they do a big seance and bring her back i think they had that in the movie too but. they did have that in there yeah but they don't show in the movie how how long that angle went for you know it wasn't just one match and he got a power no. driver and he was out it went on for a long time uh jerry Lawler threw fire in his face oh yeah you know <laughs> he did i forgot about the fire they, had, they didn't the they didn't show anything about uh what was the girl foxy Oh, yeah. The one that Lawler, Brown. Lawler trained to take him on. Yeah. They, they, they glossed past all that. So this went on for a while. So he was in Memphis. And that was back when shows were monthly. The house shows were monthly. So yeah. it had to be close. I mean, he and he was there every month for... It had to be close to a year. Yeah. Right? It seemed like a long time. Man, it was just like... But that was nuclear heat. I mean, and mm-hmm. think of... You know, we were talking about... You know, we've talked about this on the show before. It's just like... A lot of the guys these days work really hard and are not getting over. You know, it, they'll do triple flip off a ladder through a table, you know, at a house show. And people just kind of stand up and go, oh, huh, do you see that? Yeah. Whereas just like all he was doing was standing in the middle of the ring. And you saw everybody on their feet mm-hmm. just like vent, you know, just like raging for, you know, Lawler. Just like, just hit this guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm granted they were. Kayfay was still alive and well back then and, you know, interviewing all the people and just like, I don't like him that much. <laughs> but he was a master of, like, live performance, so he got it. Oh, he was yeah. in there with the boxing gloves and, like, <laughs> you know, every time something, every time. <laughs> just thinking of it, dude, it makes, cracks me I up. know. He was with, with the boxing gloves. He was always pointing at his head. It's like, I got the brains. <laughs> he just, he was, he was doing it right. He knew oh, how to make man. everyone hate him, and he never did a single wrestling move. No. No, and it's just like he didn't. He and he never really <laughs> like his kicks. Like his kicks didn't look. So and he nice. was wrestling in long johns, you know. <laughs> yes. It's just like it's 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 another layer of dislike when it's just like you have you're not even wearing the proper gear, and you're in this in just like your underwear. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and he really just like and he did the old school, just like you know when a new wrestler would come to a territory. They would send vignettes ahead of time to wow. start preparing them to, and he started. He actually got started doing the vignettes and recording them, and like that's when he was going heavy and just like I'm going to introduce you know the people in Memphis to this. This is a bar of soap, mm-hmm. and what you do is just like getting on them about, and then just making fun of their accents. It's just like you going to wrestle me, Mister Lawler. <laughs> that was also interesting that they uh, in that podcast they recorded those at Lawler's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did him at his house. <laughs> but it was just so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was masterful. That whole angle and just like Lawler got, I mean, and that whole Memphis territory got so much mileage out of one guy like that. I mean, that was like if you were a full-time pro wrestler, I mean, that's your goal at that point, right? You can pretty much do whatever you want. And he was just having too much fun. And it was it was cutting edge. I mean, that was what... In the in this early seventies, when they really got into like the women's lib, and they had the battle of the sexes, right versus Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs, mm-hmm. and he had that you know 
obnoxious, but then, you know, Kaufman took it another step further and declared himself the intergender champion of the world yeah. and just would only wrestle women. Yeah. You know, and that's when he first started. Because I guess he must have been a, a huge fan of, of wrestling and just like the, because it's performance art, right? So mm-hmm. I think he gravitated towards that. But that was risky stuff back then because did it, did it seem like to you that, you know, the women were like, it was like a shoot? Oh yeah, it it didn't seem like they were just like it didn't feel staged. Like he mu- like he must have just said, you know, do your best to try to take me down. I guess because yeah. it just because it looked like we talked about this before, like a real fight always just looks ugly and awkward. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to it, and it just like some of those like takedowns, especially when he was with Foxy, it was just like yeah, it looked like he was about. About yeah. to lose. And I think he was a tall guy. He wasn't, uh, you know, he was skinny, but he was pretty tall. He was over six feet. So yeah. he did have some size on these women, <laughs> or the initial women, the challengers. But the, yeah, just having that intergender, you know, because before, before he was doing it in the ring, right? He was doing it on stages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would literally do it in a comedy club. <laughs> just like on a hard stage. It's just like, it's like having anybody, you know, cause, cause that's right there, dude. That's like old school carny wrestling, you know, right before you're, you would sell tickets cause you'd have this one. It wasn't even a shooter, right? That was a hooker. That was like when you had a hooker, not a hooker, like the hookers that Andy liked, the hookers were like the wrestlers that were like, if you ever needed to get your belt back, or if you had somebody that was going to try to go into business for yourself, a hooker would be a guy that, Probably a Brock Lesnar type there is just like you knew nobody can beat him and right. you'd have him in the ring, you know, and you would do that in carnival tents, right? And you just basically put somebody in there, just like I'll give any amount of money, and then you pull somebody from the audience and you pull real people in there. Yeah. And this this hooker needed to be able to take him down mm-hmm. before you'd set up to like the person that you actually planted in the crowd to set up for that match. He was doing that on stage on mm-hmm. co- on comedy clubs. I was just like, eventually he, you'd get to his comedy plant, but he would pull real people into <laughs> on stage to fight him, yeah, and just to wrestle him. It was just like, man, that's crazy. Women only, though. yeah, women, yeah, women. He's the intergender, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, in that podcast, right, Lawler was talking about uh, when he first approached Andy about you know wrestling. He was like, I, I can't do that. I only wrestle women. <laughs> <laughs> he said i'll get hurt <laughs> that it was just like yeah but man because this think about today of you know would andy kaufman be just like this crazy guy on youtube with like millions of views with like all the crazy stuff that he would try to be coming up with uh, i mean yeah i think andy kaufman would have thrived on youtube but i mean i think the entire uh, well, or at least uh, a lot of what ends up being on YouTube is because of Andy Kaufman. You know, the 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 comedy, uh, like the comedy that you see where people go out and t- try to elicit reactions from people, that comes from Andy Kaufman. Yeah. You know, I think uh, like Tom Green, Tom Green's initial run, oh, when he was just yeah. like screwing with people and trying to get them to get pissed at him. Yeah. That's very Andy Kaufman. Yeah, you're, I think you're right. And they give shout out to Tom Green for... Uh, Freddie got fingered. I know it's an, it's an it's an awful movie, but I think that you know it was a really a really good attempt at turning his comedy gimmick into a film, um, where the entire film is just meant to piss you off. Like by the end of that movie, you're supposed to be angry that you spent your money to see it. <laughs> I recommend viewing it one more time through that Maybe lens. We should do a watch along. Let's it's, do a watch along. It's like got it's it's pretty it's pretty clear. And there's even at the at, once it gets to the end. 
he's talking about spending all this money just to prank his parents. And he's like, poof, all my money gone. And he's just like, you know, he's referencing how much money he spent to make this piece of shit movie. <laughs> and even like at the end when he's like coming home and um, there's like a crowd, <laughs> you can see the people in the crowd have signs that say, when is this fucking movie going to end? <laughs> I don't think I ever saw Freddy Got Fingered, so maybe uh, maybe that's going to be a run-in episode. Yeah. Freddy Got Fingered Watch Along. It's interesting so to watch as an experiment. It's really bad, but uh, there's just some things in there that I think are interesting. So it, it, it's like legitimate, like Star Wars holiday special that it legitimately is hard to sit through it, even though you want to watch it because it's like fabled. Well, I think that this movie makes no attempt to be good, <laughs> except for there's certain flourishes where you know that certain things are just... Directed in a way that they look good. Like there's, there's a whole skateboarding sequence that's really cool. And there's like certain sequences that are like a music video. But like anything comedic is just meant to be really, really bad. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because Tom Green, he was he was the shit there for a while. They do the recurring joke where like there's a kid and he's, you know, he's, oh, hey, uh, Freddy, blah, blah, blah. He's always like coming around. But every time he comes around, he gets injured somehow. And like there's just <laughs> his injuries just get progressively worse and worse. And they're, like, unsettling by the end. He's, like, screaming, and you can see, like, there's one part where he gets his teeth knocked out. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I oh, think man. Andy Coffin was a big influence on, like, a lot of the Clearly, guys. Yeah, Eric just Andre. Like whether, yeah, yeah, Eric Andre for sure. Like, even, like, the 2Ks, you know, punked and jackass, a lot of that, like you said, just getting, just going for that reaction. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think for somebody on, he was doing it. Andy Kaufman was next leveling, right? Because he was on stage, all eyes on him when he was pulling that stuff. And just like, and he was always performing even when he wasn't on stage, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, that was a great scene, you know, where he's just, you know, he he explains like, we're going to pretend that the picture is bad. So everybody in America gets up and tries to hit their TV and he just got got a laugh out of it. And Mm -hmm. just like, why would you do that? And just like, it makes no sense. Nobody's going to laugh. And then sitting in the meeting and they actually <laughs> got up and it's just like, I can't believe the studio can't afford good equipment <laughs> and his gimmick worked and just watching him laugh. I mean, yeah, he was all in it for the, the performance. I think he would have did well in, <clears throat> in current wrestling, but I think he would have had trouble at the same time because it's just like, you don't write stuff for Andy Kaufman. No. And I think what he would have done is he would have had, uh, what was the uh, Saturday Night Live show Fridays? You know mm-hmm. when he moved to that, and he would he wanted to make it have that like real fight. I think he would have if he ever would have went to on WWE, he would have went into business for himself. It's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea, and he yeah. would have done none of it. Yeah, he would have been you know would have made the uh, CM Punk pipe bomb type type of a appearance on the show, or people mm-hmm. would be like, whoa, does is that real? Yeah, because he was always about working everybody he was the only one that was in on and i guess maybe bob zamuda was the only other one that was like really really in on it where even jerry lawler who was in on it there must have been times that he was just like is this guy working me Mm -hmm. you know to because half the people at the funeral weren't even sure if he really died i mean he was working the studios and everything he had mult he had two contracts for taxi not just his <laughs> he had a whole separate contract for uh what was his alter tony clifton tony clifton yeah night, the lizard yeah <laughs> oh my god to have two contracts like that yeah he was working everybody mm-hmm. man he just like he he realized too early that the this world is a matrix and he's just like i'm just gonna have fun for a little while yeah and just like really work it because 
I mean, I would love to have seen him. I mean, think about all the females in wrestling throughout, you know, that came after him that he could have had. Like we talked about, he could have had a great run with China. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have had a great run with, you know, he would have probably flourished in the Attitude Era. They probably, oh, yeah. he would have been, oh my God. Except in the in the Braun Penny matches, something would have told me it would have been a, a scene right out of Stripes with Ox. Yeah. I think stuff would have got ripped off because he was just like, he enjoyed doing that, right? Going to the uh, brothels and wrestling with the girls. Yeah, well, I mean, did you, did you read that one book? I don't know which Andy Kaufman book it was, but the, Bob Zamuda was talking about how he used to uh, wear a cup and tape it up so he wouldn't get a you know hide his boner while he was. Oh wrestling. really? Yeah, yeah. He would he would wear a cup and keep it and to, to keep it uh, to keep it. In the oh boner yeah, what was the name of the? Uh, I just actually I read that book. Uh, I read two of them and I can't recall which. I read the one by Bob Zamuda, and I think I read one that was a compilation of stories. Yeah, it was the uh, Andy Kaufman: The Truth Finally. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the last book that they had, and that was an awesome book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they really started getting into that. But that felt like that was gonna be. He was gonna reveal the magician's secrets. Yeah, and he he did, and he and but he also didn't. Mm-hmm. I still went away from with that book, and I'm just like wondering what was what was real and what wasn't real. Did you see my breakfast with Blassie? Yes, I yeah. do remember my breakfast because right that was based on you know what breakfast. Uh, my dinner with Andre. My dinner with Andre, yeah. which was like a movie in the one of the early independent films where it was just basically a dinner conversation between two guys, and yeah. that's the whole movie. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then, that was eighty three. Yeah, so there was. I, I don't know if this was before his wrestling stuff or 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 during or after. I want to say he had the brace on already, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It says eighty three. You uh-huh. know that he was doing that, but but he doesn't. <clears throat> he's fully. Like, uh, you know, Freddie Blassie is doing his gimmick and he's in character completely where he's like being like real degrading to the Korean waitress and things like that. And Andy's in it, too. You know, he's he's playing the heel and they're just basically two heels having breakfast, talking about things they don't like. (laughs) Yeah, what was so that was 83. So when was the the Lawler match? I mean, I feel like that was 82, so I feel like I was around that same time, right? I'm pretty sure my DVD was a, a one of those double-siders with one had Breakfast with Blassie on one side. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. I'm from Hollywood on the other. Oh, yeah, because so he was on Letterman in 82, so that must have been a little bit afterwards. Yeah. Man, but that was, yeah. That was, again, we uh, we need to we need to get our hands on some of those. You need, to, you need to dig through your boxes and find that. But, yeah, I do remember the Breakfast with Blassie stuff. Mm-hmm. But, again, he was... Uh, I think Vince Vince Jr. would have loved him. I just again, I I I'm really curious. I feel like almost like he would have done well in so many generations of wrestling, except maybe this one, unless mm-hmm. he went into business for himself and had his. But he would be huge. Yeah, I think he would be on YouTube, right? And he would have he would go into business for himself and have millions of people. Yeah, watching him. But would it be hard to? Would he, you think he would have finally hit a wall where it would have been hard to work people because they would have kind of realized that at some level this is going to be a work? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I think so. I think people are expecting it now. Because, yeah, I, I mean, or would he have, you know, was he such a genius where he would have found another level of working people? Yeah, I think he really wanted to be an actor. 
What he, was he, he didn't have very much luck um, in you know getting film roles. Yeah, we need. I haven't. I mean, I remember watching Heartbeats. I just don't remember much about it. I don't remember much about it either. Yeah, and and he was in some some like um, horror movie. I want to say it was where he plays like a he's like an assassin, but he he dies at the beginning. Oh, really? It was called like uh, God told me to do it, or something like that. Directed by Larry Cohen. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure oh, he had a bit. He had a bit part in that as like one of the assassins. Was that there's a movie here eighty one called Oh and God We Trust and then there's a movie called Wanted. Yeah, his la- that actually My Breakfast Was Blasty is his last credited role as an actor because before that was Taxi SNL was seventy five through eighty two Heartbeeps is eighty one. In God We Trust or Gimme That Primetime Religion, Armageddon T. Thunderbird was the name of his character. Okay, maybe it's In God We Trust. Oh, no, God Told Me To. God Told Me To? Yeah, Yeah. that was was actually 76. He was a police assassin. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And you know what's crazy? That must have been based on the summer, uh, some Son of Sam, because that was around that time. Yeah, I mean. And that's basically, that's when he said his doc told him to do it. Larry Cohen, known for, uh, you know. Wow. Being on the cutting edge of exploitation. I remember on the Breakfast with Blassie DVD that I had, which I still have somewhere, there was also footage from the premiere of uh, My Breakfast with Blassie. But at that point, he was already pretty sick. So oh. he had um, he had, uh, he had had done his hair up in a mohawk. I don't know. I guess to he, I guess that's, you know, punk was kind of big at that time. And he'd taken a, he'd started dressing like a punk rocker. And he has on he has on like a leather spike jacket and he's got a like a mohawk, but you can tell he's not well and he's got something wrong with his arm. His arm is like limp. Oh wow! Yeah, man, that was, must have been really hard. And again, for people just like for him to have a really like to have a real ailment, and then people are like, are you sure you're sick? Yeah, because he got he got lung cancer and he never smoked, allegedly, or maybe he smoked the whole time. Yeah, you know, maybe anyone. that's the work. Yeah, <laughs> you could just never tell. Man, that's crazy. He has some some of these titles too. It's just like in uh, Stormy Justice. He was in a TV movie. He played in a movie called Share dot 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 and other fantasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then stick around. And then the God told me to. Uh, yeah, what is the Share and other fantasies? Share finds herself trapped in a strange building where v- v- various fantasies await her behind each door. Hmm, I've and- never heard of that at all. <laughs> 19- Cher the singer? Yeah. It's writer and it was written by Cher, Buzz Cohen and Patrick uh, Patricia Resnick, but it says star Cher, Andy Kaufman and Shelley Winters. Oh wow. <laughs> it looks like a weird like variety type movie though. Oh mm-hmm. man. We got some Lucille Ball was in it as a cleaning lady, er- Elliot Gould was in it uh, as sign painter. Wow. Andy Kaufman as Adam. <laughs> Jeez. No, I never heard of that at all. That's when I get to look up. Yeah. I like seeing, finding his random TV appearances um, that you can find on YouTube. He had some, he's had like some of his letter, Letterman ones were great. I think, I don't know, this was a pre wrestling stuff, you know? Yeah. Because he used to go on Letterman and they just let him do whatever he wanted. And there was one where he brings on his adopted sons and it's like these full grown black guys are his adopted <laughs> sons. <laughs> Dude, some of the stuff he did was just like again. It was just like just to for the reaction and to make himself laugh. And sometimes he'd just come out and do a performance. He'd be playing the bongos and singing some song with no words, just like 
just making noises. Wow, yeah, I did that. those are fun to actually go back and see because I've yeah he was, he just feels like somebody that would be like a, a stage crasher. Yeah. Oh wow! Did you know he made a movie based in 2055? Was called that Heartbeats? S- no, no, called Stick Around. No, it's a it was a TV movie. Well, it says 30 minutes in the year 2055, and things are better for the human race except for Vance. The Kiefer family deals with daily life in the future and their older and malfunctioning robot servant, which Vance is tired of, and he plays Andy the robot. <laughs> wow! No, I never heard of that either. Dude is just like he's got some crazy shit, man. That he was just like he was definitely enjoying working everybody. I was like, I it had to be Bob Zamuda would be the only one that he would he had to have somebody in on it with him at all times, right? Like, can you really pull off working the entire world without having at least one person in on it to help you? Because I mean, you see this like. These, you know, like you said, a lot of YouTubers are basically doing a lot of this performance stuff. But like, you know, like the do you even lift, bro? Yeah. That guy, like how many times like he legitimately like almost got like his ass kicked. Yeah. Or do you just say screw it? And like, I feel like Andy Kaufman would be like, yeah, it was funny. I got this guy so mad that he just beat the crap out of me. Yeah. And that would be part of the performance. And he'd kind of just roll with it. Mm -hmm. So he must maybe, I don't know. It was just like, do you have somebody in on you? In a, or is that too safe? Is that too much of a safety net? Someone like this would be like that would take away from the performance behind it. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it was. He should be, you know. Uh, and I, I always say, as, as far as like WWE's Hall of Fame wants to be legitimate, uh, they you know they fixed the Bruno one. They did not fix the Cindy Lauper one who created Rock and Wrestling Connection. But it's just like, how do you have? A wrestling hall of fame and not have andy kaufman in it and i know vince has his whole oh you know this this stuff is old and we don't want to be looking like we're an old company but this stuff is legacy man and yeah. this stuff was this was mainstream news before wrestling was mainstream mm-hmm. right everything was on regional television. how can you not have him as part of the hall of fame that's like a huge injustice if you want to be a legitimate hall of fame rather than like a, a popularity contest because, you know, he was, he did a lot for the wrestling business. He got a lot out of it, but I, I feel like it was a win-win. You know, it was a win-win. And as a lot of the boys and, you know, the women back then made a lot of money. but And he he gave, you know, he got to entertain himself with his art. Yeah. So that's, that is a huge injustice that he's not recognized as being part of, you know, the legacy of this business. Yeah. I mean, he definitely gave it a lot of eyes. He did. So uh, I'd say R.I.P. Andy Kaufman, but he's listening to this show right now. Right. Yeah, La- so, laughing. Yeah, he's off. laughing. He's like, oh, man, they're even doing shows about how I'm still dead, but I'm not. 